Podcast Tax Moves with Glenn Birnbaum. Glenn, uh, before we got started today, we want to talk, kind of piggyback on what we talked about last week. We were looking at uh, taxable um, situations when it came to uh, related parties, and you brought up the passive loss rules that were put in place in the in the late '80s, and how that would affect the similar situation like we talked to you last week. Yeah, so it's just uh, well, first of all, these passive loss rules. We're talking about the three by five postcard. These passive loss rules that were put in place in 1986 really added a lot of a lot of complexity uh, to the code. Uh, but yeah, we mentioned last time that uh, well, first of all, that maybe capital gain income can get recharacterized to ordinary income, right? If you sell it to a related party, and also um, related party losses. If I sell something to a related party. This loss may not be deductible. And so we want to talk about another type of loss that may not be deductible, i.e. passive losses. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about. Okay. All right. So give me, I'm not familiar with passive loss rules, so what's a real quick uh, two-second uh, definition of what that is? It's complicated, but basically what, what they're trying to do is if I've got making a lot of income, mm-hmm. you know, on my farm, let's say, uh, in another business that I'm very actively involved with, right? I'm working in a business, I'm making a lot of income. Well, what if I invest, so I'm just going to passively invest in some other business that I know is going to throw off losses, okay. right? Through depreciation, right. but whatever, I, it, I create a loss for me, mm-hmm. then I can use that loss to offset, hopefully, my income. All right, okay, okay. all right. And so, basically, in 1986, they said, okay, you can't do this. So, we have capital gain income and order income. Both are two types of income. Now, in 1986, we start talking about, well, there's two buckets. There's another set of buckets. There's active income and passive. Okay? So, basically, this whole set of rules on saying, hey, if, if you invest in something, it generates losses. It's not very involved in the business. You can't use those losses to offset businesses if you are very actively involved with. Okay? okay. So I can only use passive losses to offset other passive income that I have. Okay. So it's just a different bucket, and it just—if I don't get the deducted immediately, it's just suspended. Um, and you know, it'll eventually I'll be able to deduct it, but I get the timing issue. But you just have to remember that in these two buckets, and certain types of losses can't offset. Other types of income. Gotcha. Okay. Right on. All right. So there's, of course, more complexity. Um, we, we don't have a lot of time to get into it, but what, so what determines whether I'm passive or active? But it's, there's hours test. It's also 500 hours is a pretty common thing. If I'm not involved, 500 hours. Decent chance it's going to be passive, but in other cases, maybe 100 hours is okay. You know, there's, there's a lot of details on it. I don't want to get into it, but. Just suffice to say that passive losses are, are troublesome. Now, if I 
There's a little exception that says I can deduct up to $25,000 of rental losses, okay, if my income is below certain thresholds. Um, basically, $150,000 of adjusted gross income, I can basically deduct up to $25,000 loss against active income. So that, that is a little bit of a break to gave us. Uh, that's actually, um, again, it's a $25,000 limit. So that's one little extra exception. Now, if I'm super, so passive losses are also rental activities. I just mentioned that as a general rule. So, you know, not working by the hour business, but in general, rental activities are passive. Okay, so rental real estate, that type of thing. Unless I'm really super involved in business, and that's, that's my whole uh, trader business is being a real estate professional, then, then those rules don't apply. So, we're now talking about two or three different exceptions. Okay. We did, but the code just keeps adding up here. Um, okay, here's another one that's very unique, specific to, to landlords, you know, people that are farmland in particular. Um, and this is, it's about recharacterizing something that you think is passive to non-passive. Okay. So here's the rule. So let's say... Um, let's say I'm not a farmer and I have passive activity loss carry forwards they're called KC. So you know I, I've invested in other passive activity in the past, it's created losses, I haven't had any other passive income, I've set it, so it's still 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 sitting there. Right? It's called a passive activity loss carry. Okay. So I'm thinking about well, how can I these up? Right? And I'm gonna Invest in something that's going to generate income. I'm going to buy some farmland. I'm going to cash rent out. To Pretty sure that that's going to generate some income. And so I'm hoping that that income from the farmland becomes passive, right? And I'll be able to offset those two. Well, fortunately, there's a rule that says if the real estate is not more than 30% depreciable. Okay, so if I buy $100,000 for real estate, if only $10,000 is depreciable, you know, there's only $10,000 to top of whatever it be, it's not going to be considered passive. Okay, so I, I go to this trouble of buying this farmland, thinking because it's going to generate passive income, but there's a special rule that says, hey, actually it's not passive because you really don't have any depreciation. It's crazy as that sounds. So you, you would be in trouble if you did that. Does that make any sense? Just like everything else so far, Glenn, none of this makes any sense at all. There's just all sorts of exceptions. And I, and I, I try to, you know, I try to think common sense, which is dangerous, you know, but they're just, it's just so sure to generate income, right? If I buy farmland, it's apparently just so sure to generate income because yeah. I don't have any depreciation that it's, it's too guaranteed. They don't want me just buying farmland to offset other passive losses, I guess, is the theory, right? Crazy that sounds. You can't use common sense, Glenn, with people that, that are writing rules no. that don't have common sense. So no, it's, no. it's tough. It makes it tough. Now, so last last little exception. Now, here's another one. Now, let's say I've got my farmland in a separate LLC, right? I broke it off. The separate LLC, my farm operation is paying rent to that LLC, right? Mm -hmm. and so that LLC is generating rental income. Right. And I said a few minutes ago that rental income default is it's passive. Okay. 
So this is considered self-rental income, right? I'm paying rent to myself, but it's, it's fair market value of rent. No question about it. Is that rental income in that LLC going to be considered passive? What do you think? Well, the IRS let that be considered passive, use that, I can use plus the offset. What do you think? I would think so. I would think that, I would think that, I mean, it makes, basically what we've talked about so far, yeah, it would make sense, yeah. Unfortunately, self-rental is considered unpacked. Of course it is. Why wouldn't it be? Yeah. So it's like heads I would then tell you to kind of thing, you know. Right. And so what, what apparently they're concerned about is, right, what if I just really inflate the rent, right? If I just pay myself a crazy amount of rent over that rental end, right, you know, two times fair market value, just because I have all these loss and direct from something else. So they're concerned about manipulation, but unfortunately, you'd like it to be, well, hey, if I'm, if I'm charging fair market value or pay, I wouldn't have to apply that rule. But unfortunately, not the case. So self-rental is considered non-passive. Now, what if it's a loss? Here's your last question. What if this self-rental, I'm giving real estate, right? Not just one right. A little more likely to generate a loss, real estate, a building, perfect building, I should say. Is self Rental losses, are they considered passive losses or are they considered active losses? So I had an LLC set up for my farming operation that rented me the ground that I farm. I rent the ground that I rent the ground that I farm. Well, I'm going to go with yes, it is because the other one made so much sense that it would be that this has got to be the opposite. So, yes, I would say it's passive. It's passive. Why is that passive, but but me renting the equipment to myself not? Well, let's yeah, I'll just so I'll make sure maybe I didn't clarify. If it's if it's net income, it's considered non-passive. If it's a net loss, self-rental, it's considered passive. Well, what, but if I if I'm if I set an LLC up for my, cause I know a lot of guys that do this. They set up an yeah. LLC for their equipment. Okay, and they do that now, but they rent. But they're not losing any money on the on the rent because again, right. they're renting. They're getting rental rates from the local dealership as to what they would rent that piece of equipment for, and then yep. they depreciate it out and so on and so forth. And they're showing a positive gain at the end of the year as far as income goes right. in that room. Yeah, you've actually hit on a, a even more complex topic. Um, sell rental of personal <coughs> property, i.e., tractors and equipment. There's some. Mm-hmm question about this, but probably most people would say rental of personal property is not actually a passive activity. I think that would generally be what most people would say, because it's more, you're probably more involved with it. So commercial real estate is passive. Rental of personal property is generally considered active and potentially subject to self-employment tax. So it's a little bit of a, a different wrinkle there. Does that make any sense? No. So you, yeah. So you basically, if you have self rental, you know, if you're, if you're doing transactions yourself, we were talking about sales of things last time. Now we're talking about, you know, rents, rents between ourselves. We have to make sure that we understand the tax consequences. And, it, and there can't be two different buckets. Generally speaking, you're going to get the short end of the stick if you're renting things for yourself. But again, it's only if, if I have passive activity losses. Right from some something totally different, right? And they're just burning a hole in my pocket. Like, you know, I got a hundred thousand dollar loss. I can't use it, right? That's when it becomes a problem. If you if you don't ever have losses and you're just making money in all your entities, mm-hmm. 
it, it really doesn't matter. Right? They're, they're just concerned about creating these losses. There's sometimes artificial losses and, and, and offsetting your wages, your other accident, but that's not fine. What if there's what if there's two brothers and because I've this I've seen this actual situation before two brothers and there's uh, brother A's got whatever land and cattle and then brother B's got whatever land and cattle and brother A uh, has all the equipment you know they but they're partners in that in that you know, they're they're partners in the equipment for the most part one brother has half the equipment the other brother has the other half the equipment and then they. One has a combine, one has a planter, right? So they basically cross, you know, they use the equipment with each other's stuff, right? Yeah. Could you do that then? Would that be like I can rent from, you know, my brother, the combine, yeah. and then that would be be considered passive, or, or how would that how would that work? Well, yeah, if you're receiving, it gets into the family attribution rules, and there's, there's not three different sets of definitions. Uh, I'm not 100% sure if brothers counts as a plater. I know it would be father's 100 you know, daughter. I'm not sure about brother, but that's considered self-referencing question. Okay. But yeah, you'd have to check your textbooks. Huh? A lot of rules here, Glenn. There's a lot of rules. Again, there's, there's always different rules unless it's a like party. Yep. It's outstanding. Right. Good, good stuff as usual. And remember to uh, contact your tax advisor when you come to, when you're Yes, for, kind of stuff. we're giving general advice here, you know, it's not, it's not tax advice, it's hard to get specific information, but just, just remember there's two buckets of income, right, there's passive income, not passive income, or loss, and you, and you can't necessarily combine those together. Yeah. All right, Glenn, well, we've covered a lot here with probably more questions now than we have answers when I got started, so can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait for next week. So uh, anything else that you want to add to that before we shut it down here? No, I think we've we've uh, gotten into enough detail here. So all right, on. Yeah. okay, that'll work. All right, Glenn. Wait, well, if guys want to get in touch with you and ask, get some more clarification on this kind of stuff, or uh, maybe some questions they should ask their tax uh, preparer or tax advisor, how would they get a hold of you? Uh, yeah, it's best to go to Heinel Vanderwerf for reach us at the uh, phone number is three zero nine six nine four two five one. You can also look me up on Twitter at Glenn Right on. Glenn's a wealth of knowledge. Make sure you check out his Twitter feeds. Always got good stuff on there. And uh, as usual, this stuff was just kind of passing over top of my head here a little bit, trying to catch my breath here when you were when you were throwing it out there. So I appreciate everything, man. Okay, thank you. All right, we'll talk to you next week. See you, buddy. Fantasy Move